Welcome to Pressing On, a podcast where we will be looking into truth for guys as we live on this journey in life. I'm your host, Scott Lessing, prison campus pastor at Grace Church at Lorraine Correctional, where we have three locations in Northeast Ohio, Middleburg Heights, Olmstead Falls, and as I said, our prison campus in Grafton, Ohio at Lorraine Correctional. Pressing on is for guys who want to go deeper as we seek God, all the while finding practical insight to live differently. We're going to look into real life and talk through how to grow while becoming an improved version of ourselves. Before we go to our topic this month, I want to tell you about our friends who believe in what we're doing and they want to encourage our listeners with some great coffee. It's Blackburnian Coffee. They're a micro-batch roasting company based here in Cleveland. And Blackburnian Coffee uses high-quality, fair-trade beans from farms and importers that treat their workers with respect. We also know the owner and roaster of this great company, Sarah Stumbo, and she's pretty cool. To win a free bag of coffee from Blackburnian, simply email us at pressingon at gracecma.org, and the first person to do so wins a pound of coffee for free. We'll send it to you wherever you're at all over the world. You don't have to be local to win. As I said, we'll send this coffee to wherever you're at. Don't forget, use the code PRESSINGON to receive your 15% off every order, any time of the year, if you go to blackburningcoffee.com and order yours there today. Today's topic is unwritten rules of church. We'll be talking about those things that are written in scripture, how the church operates, what are the values, what's the culture, what's the mission. We'll also be talking about the unwritten rules, those quirks that through our secular culture, through our world, our society, through tradition have kind of eased and snuck their way into our unsaid, unwritten theology and become a part of how we operate. And so, tuning in with us this week is our local and very own Jelani Oswald. Jelani, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you're doing. Hey, what's up, fellas? It's awesome to be with you. It's a blessing to be on this podcast, pressing on. Well, my name is Jelani. Um, My full legal name is Jelani Oswald Nkosi. Pinnock for anyone listening wondering why is he have Jelani Aswad on his social media so on and so forth and that actually translates as mighty black king so that's a little fun fact mm. about me in in two different languages mm. Swahili and Arabic um, anyhow that's cool man. Uh, yeah thank you man thank you my parents uh, smart people um, but uh, I am a associate pastor here at Grace um, I get to work alongside folks in outreach get to work alongside the communications team and I get to lead worship um, with the team on rotation that's led by Robin Walters. And um, that's pretty much I do have three children, uh, nine, uh, six, and three. Um, and I've been married to my wife of almost 11 years now. So, And your wife is awesome, by the way. Thank you so much. She's better than you. She's better than me. Yeah. She's definitely better than me. She's a, she's, she's a beast in a good way. I know when people hear that, they're like, she's a beast. What kind of <laughs> compliment is that? No, she knows what I'm talking about. Um, and she's killing it at her job right now. So I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of her. That's awesome, man. Mm-hmm. One thing that my son would say about you as a worship leader is – and he's 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 gonna say, Dad, you I cannot believe you said that. <laughs> he's like, Jelani's sick. That's fire. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, but I, I can't say. I I'm not allowed to say that about you. I have to say that that's what Carter would say about you. That's cool. Yeah, me and Carter chopped it up the other day um, in the hallway. So we plan to get together a little bit soon. So if I if I said those same things, people would laugh at me. 
What chopped it up? <laughs> yeah. Well, you can't say it as naturally as me. No. You know what I'm saying it's an error thing. It you is. You gotta have been saying it for a while. Yeah, you know? and so, I can't. And so, to start saying it would be silly. It's okay. You can jump in and chop it up. That's not, I mean, that's a light one. That's not really. That's like you know cross generational slang right there. Chop well, Jelani, man, it's awesome having you on here. I I just think the world of you, man. Um, <laughs> it's fun leading with you, leading alongside you. Um, you you've meant a lot to me over the years in ways that you probably don't even know all of them, but you've been a huge encouragement to me in my life, in my ministry as a leader. But you've also been. I watch you from afar, but also up close. But you are a learner naturally. You all you want to do is continue to get better and grow. And I'm naturally drawn to people like that mm. because they I, I can learn from you, right? And you're humble, and so a lot of people who don't know you, who might be our listeners listening today, um, Jelani is um, an amazing man of God. He's humble. He's a great worship leader, and. You make me laugh too, which I always like that, man. I you like made me laugh me too, laugh. Scott. Thank you. That was very kind of you, man. Yeah, man. I give glory to the Lord for everything he's doing, man. So I'm I'm blessed to be here. Well, let's chop it up, all right? Yeah, let's chop it up. <laughs> Go ahead. That was, a, uh, that was a little that was like thirty percent forced. Yeah. Maybe forty <laughs> percent forced. forced. Yeah, that's not bad. Bro. I actually that's felt like, so uncomfortable, man, saying that. Saying that? I did. I did. <laughs> I, I couldn't even look you in the eyes. I had to look away when I said it because I was afraid you're gonna start laughing at me. Yeah, that's all right. <clears throat> but we gotta right. get Jelani saying shoot the breeze. <laughs> Yeah, that'll be a cold day. And um, anyway, so let's let's start with the. We're not going to start with the unwritten rules. We're going to start with the written rules that mm. we see in scripture. Yeah. Right? What are the written rules of the church that we see in scripture? And I'm going to let you guys kick it off, and yeah. and I'm going to kind of intervene so you, in case you guys start to fight or whatever. I can break it up. But um, <laughs> what are some of the written rules that are we we can't we can't walk away from? Like these are foundational. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So b- before we go to the unwritten rules of church, what are some of the written rules? Of, of church that we see in scripture yeah i mean i i i was introduced to these set of passages that we're going to look at when i was in bible college and it was cool because it was in like a a business side of the church class and um the chair of the department dr orlando rivera um who's with the lord now in heaven he um he really forced us to look at the bones of church that's good what is the basic bones and so that we know when we're getting overly complex and when we are building hmm. those those idols, we got to know where we should start from in order to avoid those or to be able to peel back the layers when we get far down that road. And sort of like what Jordy said in the beginning, like and they start to creep into our culture. And I think Acts 2, which is makes sense because it's literally the second chapter of the Acts of the Apostles after the church find it started to find its roots um in the early days and acts 2 uh 42 to 47 just list a few of those kind of things and and i won't read the whole passage but it says they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching at that time they didn't have the new testament so that was really the teaching and the interpretation of jesus's teaching from the apostles and then all of that how it reconciled with the old testament together that was something that they devoted themselves to. So probably all oral teaching at the time. All oral teaching right. at the time, other than what you had, you know, and you had the Pentateuch or mm-hmm. and, and the old Old Testament scriptures, and but people didn't even understand it. So the apostles with the Holy Spirit were like, "Well, this is what it means." Yep. You know, um, then fellowship. So getting together, gathering as believers, being of like mind in that way, breaking of the bread. They ate a lot of meals together, 
and they prayed. And those four things, the devoting to apostles teaching, fellowship, breaking of the bread and prayer. And then I'll just want to read the results. The results of those four structural things that they did was everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common and they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And they didn't do that all the time, but it said in, uh, in other scriptures that, that some of the things they did as a result of keeping those structural things. So I thought that's pretty cool as like some real foundational, yeah, you know, written rules of the church. Yeah, I, I think that two foundational things that I'll, I'll throw in to keep us moving are... I'm preaching about this tomorrow. Christianity mm. was so much of like those original gatherings. I, I just get the vibe reading through the gospel, specifically Matthew and getting into Acts, just this sense of like movement. Like it felt like this grassroots movement. And I think that it's okay that we've become, you know, in a lot of, a lot of us have kind of found ourselves in larger organizations, but I think sometimes it's hard to hold on to that movement. And so mm. two written rules of church that I think are foundational is you have Jesus's words to Peter when he restores Peter after Peter betrayed him when he died on the cross, when he kind of called Peter back to himself. He said, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And every time Peter said yes, and to restore Peter, he said, then take care of my flock. Mm. And you see a similar, you see a similar thing in Hebrews ten twenty four, and let us consider how we may spur each other on towards mm. love and good deeds. Like there's this sense of like, we take care of each other spiritually we spur each other on we develop those in this kind of christian community and it's actually like it's missional it's active it's participatory for every single person mm. and then there's the outward focus right the great commission and mm-hmm. you see it in acts 1 8 and you see it in matthew 28 where jesus says go and make disciples of all nations there's baptizing them in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit there's this charge that the church has internally to each other and externally and a lot of things we could talk about. We could talk about accountability, mm. like in Matthew 18, if your brother sins against you, mm. go and tell him his fault and work out and reconcile those things. That's all in light of those two greater realities, right? Like if you're going to spur each other on and develop each other, well, you're going you're gonna to kind of call each other out and challenge each other and reconcile yeah. with each other and yeah. have grace. And That's good. Yeah. And to do it well, right? To do it in love and and to not be a punk when you do it, be not be a jerk when you're doing it, but to do it in in a kind way, and that's that's always hard. The way that we even live some of these things out is challenging. I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, how about you know the Great Commission, the Great Commandment? Um, I think sometimes you know th- those are things that we go back to a lot. You know, even here at Grace, that's part of our our mission statement, our vision, right? And it's I, I think it's a it's a written rule, you know, for for churches hmm. that we should be living out the Great Commission. Um, and the great commandment, the great commission, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, you know, the great commandment that we should love God and love others and, mm. and, and do both of those well, mm. right, all the time. And those are incredibly foundational in everything that we do. And then I think we can get into some of the things like maybe not as a hundred percent foundational, but maybe the next level up some of those Galatians six, two things like carrying one another's burdens Mm -hmm. or how do we restore someone when they've, you know, gone astray, if you will, that those are foundational things too, but maybe not the very bottom of the foundation. Maybe it's just that next level. They leak from 
the com- great commandment. Yeah. Yeah. Like if I really care about somebody, I'm going to make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit to the, through the bond of peace. Like yeah. I'm going to make those attempts. And then the funny thing is, is like, you know, the hardest people lo- that to love are the people closest to us. And those are the ones that we have the hardest time bridging that gap of reconciliation and really coming close to. So a lot of times with people we don't know, we don't even do it at all. Yep. You know, so I, I agree with you 100%. They're not, they're a part of the rhythms of the church, but they they really do come from, they're a manifestation of the spirit through when we do love one another. Like, we're going to take that extra step to do that. So I agree with you 100%. Yeah, it's that's so Romans ten, right? Just like mm. everything can be, ev- like all the law and the prophets can be summed mm. up as like love God and love your neighbor. Yeah, that's right. And I think church is no different. And a lot of things we see where the Bible gets more specific, you can always trace it back to those two things. But as you know, you said bring up more specific things. I think mm-hmm. of James five sixteen. Therefore, confess your sins to each other mm. and pray for each other so that you may be healed. That's real. Like that is a that is such a specific like church thing. Like yeah. when believers gather, be real, be transparent, and pray for each other and minister to each other's brokenness. Um, it's interesting. Um, <laughs> I see. Another one that is very tricky, especially depending on the lifestyle that you come from or what you've been saved from or how loose of a culture the church that you were at, you mm. know, is or, or, or the church that you attend. In First Corinthians eight thirteen, it says, therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat mm. lest I make my brother stumble. And that's crazy because it's like, you know, just to be real. Like, I've always struggled with food as a, you know, as a problem, like for me, like eating too much or overeating or being really being gluttonous, honestly. And being at Grace, there's a lot of healthy people. There's a lot of people who don't look at food as a centric part of their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Whereas some of my culture, food and gathering together on a meal is a centric part of the culture. So being here has been a way for me to not stumble and really learn about being healthy. And then, you know, the same, like some, (laughs) this is a little controversial for some, but some pastors enjoy a beer or a glass of wine and maybe do that 30 miles from your home or something like that. Maybe do it at home with your wife or something like that, because you never know what the people that we're serving can come, you know, what kind of background they have. And some might say, Oh, you can't do it at all. Well, I mean, that's arguable. You know, you can debate that theologically, but um, we have to be loving enough to say that the freedom that I can exhibit that is biblically okay may not be worth it. If I really love this individual that I'm in front of to express right now. Can can I get a little bit more prickly? Let's get prickly. All right, man. So, Mm In men's we ministry, talking about like this barbed wire happens, prickly, or are we talking about maybe like this might be barbed wire rose prickly. prickly rose no, no, bush. this might be barbed wire. Okay, because this happens all the time in men's ministry. Mm. I tell you, like you, I, I say, hey, let's go out to eat, mm-hmm. right? And we're gonna go and and hey, the day of, we'll figure out where we're gonna go. Yeah, and I, the day of, we're texting back and forth, and I say, hey, can we pick a place that I can get a salad? Mm. I get laughed at sometimes, yeah. like yeah. a salad, a salad. Come on, we're men. Yeah. Let's. We have high cholesterol. Right. And we have on the verge of diabetes. Let's go get burgers. Okay. Right? Yeah. Like, why get a. Are you kidding me? Are you sissy? Like, I've actually legitimately. You want a Beyond Burger, Scott? Are you (laughs) freaking kidding me, bro? (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, Beyond Burger. Like, that's what fantastic. Is that? That actually, I tried one. It messed me up. Your but stomach? I just didn't feel right for like a Can day. Can you describe everything that happened? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just, my stomach hurt. It all does. That's, you know, that's anatomy. Um, <laughs> so, but, know. but like in, in, in what this scripture is saying is, yeah. I actually shouldn't, like you're eating a salad for a reason. You're trying to stay healthy or you're trying to lose weight or whatever. And by throwing that stab out, I'm actually saying, I don't care. I'm making you stumble, right? Like, mm-hmm. and it's actually a poke. It's mm-hmm. not a, it's not like, hey, so you don't want to go get burgers somewhere? Oh, no, we can go there because I'm, I'm cool. Like, I can still get a salad there, right? But by throwing it the way we do, typically mm-hmm. it's, I, I'm making you feel bad because you want to mm-hmm. stay healthy and I want to eat like junk. You know what I mean? Let me throw something out there that's, yeah. that's a little bit more in the mental health realm. But where I believe from what I've learned at like making peace and going to counseling that a lot of this comes from a lot of policies we create or rules we create in our systems that we built are shame based. And it's like, yeah, all of a sudden now for sure, because the the person's reaction was to shame you. Now you then create some kind of rule or something in your head if you're unhealthy yeah that's gonna make you like well i'm with this person i'll I'll do i'll do a cheat day when i'm with this person instead of standing firm it's like we have to deal with that so much as as believers like that's one of the things like something happens to us we create a policy or rule to prevent that from happening and we actually end up i think sometimes we get weakened yeah in a sense in our faith because of that yeah i think that's actually why like prohibition culture stayed amongst like christian ministry for alcohol for so Mm. long you know and i understand that everyone's convictions are different but you know we said this is a prickly topic yeah but i think like prohibition culture for the for 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 the the younger than Mm -hmm. you know give give a synopsis of what you even mean by that i'll just say alcohol was illegal just to keep it like super simple alcohol was illegal then it wasn't but like the morally upright person wasn't going to be associated with something that was just illegal Mm -hmm. you know and so that was that really i think added a level of shame to that behavior of like how do i see myself like am i if i'm a saint i'm not going to be around alcohol and i think a lot of younger people were like wait a second it seems like jesus was okay with this it seems like a lot of early theologians that i admire were okay with Mm. this like i don't really see the prohibition of it but because of a few people who would speak up there's a level of shame no one really wanted to advocate for that you know and so we make a rule yeah you know and i in most there's still denominations to this day that's ministers don't have the choice to seek that conviction for themselves yeah within our denomination in certain districts because it is different. There are what you call um, dry districts. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know um, that. The pastors cannot. Um, I won't say ones that I know because they may have changed their policies or updated them. But I heard about that. You know, so that, ours that, was, and it got updated I about heard, yeah. eleven years ago. Yeah, yeah, they changed yeah. that. How, how about this? Is the last one we'll talk about. Um, Hebrews ten twenty four says this. Let mm-hmm. us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Hmm. Why is that? A written rule why is that foundational that we should be spurring one another on the opposite of that would be discouraging each other mm. or causing divisiveness right i'll give you another one hating on each other yeah that's a big one yeah <laughs> i don't know we need encouragement is a spiritual gift and i was you know i used to um be overseen by at when i first came on staff by sam great leader uh helped to shape the worship culture at grace and because I grew up where in a culture where 
or, or in a home, my home culture was not affirming. Like, like your parent wasn't a fan of you. Like, oh, go like on the sidelines at that kind. Of, I didn't grow up in that kind of background. So I embraced that and took that on as a, a norm. And out of that, I learned how to survive without affirmation. Yeah. And so then when I got to ministry where people are looking at me because I'm talented, because I have a leadership position, they hanging on waiting for me to give that, yo, man, great job, excellent, because it means more to them. And I looked at that as a bad thing. Like, why does this person need? Hmm. And then I'm like, Like they're weak? Like they're weak. Yeah, they're Mm -hmm. weak. That's what I was thinking in my heart. Mm -hmm. And Sam said to me, you know, Jelani, encouragement is a spiritual gift in the bible and i was like wow that that hit me Mm. so i'm withholding encouragement encouragement from people holding it hostage Mm. because i think this person isn't me and meanwhile i'm operating in shame as i'm doing it and so it i realized like okay i need to be a fan of the people i lead and and my brothers and sisters, because there's going to be a day, and there has been, in this work that we do, where I, if I don't have somebody come and just tap me on my shoulder and look at me in the spirit and say, "Bro, you're doing a good job, man." Mm. I just want to tell you that, which has been happened has happened multiple times. When they didn't know I needed it, I have to be that person. So I need to spur because it says scripture also says, do not grow weary in well doing mm. for at the proper time. You will reap a harvest if you don't give up. That's and sometimes good. the only thing preventing us from not giving up is when we see somebody else that's willing to put courage in us yeah. by being encouraging. So I, I just want to say that out there that like this thing is so important and the devil's number one goal is to discourage believers and mm-hmm. people who are already saved. Because he can disarm you if you're discouraged. And we've seen that a lot through the last two years, right? Mm, a lot of right, discouragement, right. a lot of you know threats and all these other things, negative things, divisiveness yeah, man. You know, within the church. Factions, and, and yeah. those outside, the, those who don't know Jesus, they see that and they're like, oh my gosh. I think that's why this was mm. such a foundational written rule for the church mm. for us to really not just follow, but hold each other accountable to. That's real. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I think we're very prone to do's and don'ts you know like if the bible if we found more epistles we'd find more things to put in a checklist (laughs) but everything goes back to those foundational kind of goals that god gave the church you know and the more you just think about it the more it's like well yeah then you'd obviously do x y and z and i think that's a lot of Mm. what we're reading here like obviously you'd encourage each other then obviously you would love each other i mean you look at luke 4 18 through 19 where jesus talks about like hey the spirit of Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the, God, the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to preach good news to the poor, proclaim the release of prisoners and recovery of the sight of the blind and to liberate the oppressed. It's like, it's like God's on me. Like, this is what I would do. And so if we mm. say God's on us, like, obviously, like, obviously. if God loves everyone, even the lowest of people, like, obviously, we would try to get into the prisons and into those low places and, and all of that. And I, I think it's so dangerous, like... just writing it in a list and saying like, this is what we do. This is what we don't do, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. And I think spur each other on in good works. I love that we focused on that because that's one that like, it's hard to score, you know, it's really hard to score. And, but I think that it's like, that to me is one that if you're getting that right, you're probably still on mission 
in the first place. That's good. Like, that's a good word. Because you, you, you can find a lot of churches who are like staunch and they can check the boxes, but that's a hard one to check if you're not genuinely like mm. in love with God and on mission. Mm. And you have to be super humble to do that because like Jelani or Jordy, you guys might get tons of publicity or credit publicly mm. for doing some amazing things, right? And for me to like blow wind on that, Right and spur that on and and to grow that, it like that means that maybe I'm unseen. Wow! Right, hmm. and that's that, I think that's a hard place for a lot of us to even think that way. I like, never even thought about that before. Mm. That's pretty deep. Well, that's because I'm prideful. Mm. Well, <laughs> I'm, I mean, I, I I think that I used to struggle greatly with that. Like mm. I would literally withhold a compliment to somebody because you thought they might be. It Especially might publicly, more. okay, because now they're going to be seen more than me, mm. and my insecurities wow. from my childhood I never dealt with, and my insecurity from my childhood was I never got credit, like publicly okay. within our family and even extended family, and so it, it that was hard for me to overcome that. I didn't even know it right until I was probably mid twenties, mm. and then like to realize like wait a minute. I don't want to encourage people because of my own insecurities. Mm. That's horrible. Well, now that you're 60, you, you've been doing well for a while. <laughs> you're a punk, man. <laughs> well, let's go, to the un, let's go to the unwritten rules of the church. Scott's not 60, just a disclaimer. He's a good-looking young man. Just so I'm 48, for those of you who, like. don't, who don't see us, right? Um, but those are the written rules of the church that we find from Scripture. But let's go to the unwritten rules of the church that mankind has made, right? Mm. We've kind of piled on top of Scripture, and sometimes we hold these unwritten rules higher mm. than we do Scripture, I think because we're, it's comfortable. We're used to it, mm. and that's just what we've always done, right? Or that's what our culture has always done, whatever culture we're in. And But let's do one thing. Let's talk about Cartman's Triangle. We, we've heard a lot about this here at Grace Church, but if you're not familiar with Cartman's Triangle, Cartman... Um, I believe was a psychologist. Somebody can check me on that and send that in if, if that's not correct. But Jamie Norton, who's one of our counselors here, affiliate counselors at Grace Church in Middlebrook Heights, she has taught us a lot about Cartman's Triangle. And essentially, when we are unhealthy or when we are sinning, you could say it that way, we are one of three people, sometimes all three at the same time. Um, I, at least I can say I've done all three in the same at the same timing. But you can either be the bully, the rescuer, or the victim. And the bully, that's obvious. The rescuer, you want to go in and rescue people, and sometimes you end up sacrificing yourself or more people just to rescue one, and that can sometimes be harmful. And then the victim, you always play the victim no matter what. It, poor me, right? And so mm. the, everything we're going to talk about today, I think we can look at through that lens. Okay. Um, because what we're talking about, the unwritten rules of church from mankind, it would be sinful rules that were created that are not biblical. Right. Um, so, anyway, that's the litmus test to stay spirit led. Um, what am I? Am I being a bully, rescuer, or victim in this case? Um, and it, this also really tests our motives. Like, what am I motivated by? What motivates me to um, to do things for the Lord? Uh, and so, we want to look at this through the unwritten rules of the church through this lens of Cartman's Triangle. All that to be said, what are some of the top unwritten rules that you guys have either experienced yourself? Hmm. Or maybe you've heard of, or maybe culturally you know to be a fact. 
I think a big one for me being, you know, singing and being up looking at the church and even being able to visit multiple churches is that I think every Christian with, I mean, a lot of Christians within their church culture think that their church culture is the best way or is the standard way, mm-hmm. standardized somewhere. Like someone gave this silent upload to them to say, like, your church church culture really should shape the culture of church in America. Mm-hmm. And um, church isn't the same for everyone. And I think um, a lot of people who walk in the door on a Sunday, you know, they, they don't, they're not aware of that, that, mm-hmm. that their church cultures might be extremely different from another church culture, even though we're all reading the same Bible. And it's hard for some people to accept. Yeah. One I think of is, Sunday attendance as church, you know, like the mm. sitting for the, you know, there was one mention of when, when we, obviously there's verses that we could have added in that we, we didn't say everything written that churches throughout the right. whole Bible. And there's a lot of implications, but we mentioned like the teaching of the apostles, you know, like that, that's, that's an essence, but that, that's probably like, that's not even mentioned that much, you know, like we know Paul's letters were read publicly and we know that there were, te- there were gatherings around teaching, but that wasn't all that church was or all that church did. And so I think there's this there's this essence of today like for and where it's kind of become and there's exceptions to this of course but Sunday attendance is you're making it, you're a church goer, you're doing it. But that's a that's an in and out thing. But then what about like small groups, discipleship, like how do you spur hmm. each other on by coming and sitting in a seat? and leaving you know how do you serve the kingdom or advance the gospel by coming in sitting in a seat and going home like and and sitting in a seat and listening to public teaching is a good thing but it's not all the written things that that's talked about as being church and so it, it really it takes more than that and the rest of that can happen outside of the building it can happen in the building you know potentially there's ways to serve and ways to do things in the building too but I think that's one that like it's just become like nope this is the expectation you know All right, like so be what, a church what we're going to do today too is <laughs> we're not just going to talk about the unwritten rule what would you encourage people to do differently if that is what if that's one of the unwritten rules that they're following yeah I I would say to, just to keep it super simple, I would maybe say, let's take James 5.16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Let's take that and let's take the Great Commission, go and make disciples, and let's figure out a way to come to the public teaching, but to also find a way to fulfill those two matters as well. So I you're that's calling people to not ground. just come on Sundays. Yeah. And to get into a small group so that they can do James 5 together mm-hmm. and then also spur one another on to go and make this. like So learn how to share the gospel yeah. at work and build relational equity with people so that eventually someday they can ask you or maybe you could have a great conversation with them about why you go to church and why you have faith in Jesus and what Jesus has done in your life, right? Yeah, I'd say there's multiple ways to do it, but that's probably the most practical and universal. Yeah. So you're you're calling people to not just come into the pew on Sunday and and 
be satisfied with that. Don't consider that a hundred percent of what church is. Yeah. Say, let's say that's an aspect of church. Yeah, that's good. Jelani, do you have one that would be on your top list of unwritten rules? I, I want to throw one out there that is pretty prickly. Yeah. Yeah. Bring um, it. I so love it. I was. I was. <laughs> You know, doing a little Google search about this topic right before the interview, by the way. So um, I'm not like some research or heavy kind of person. But um, and this is for how should those of the opposite sex in church greet each other? Mm. That was sort of where they were going. Okay, Let me just read what it says. It was a comedic article, but a notable source. And it says the safest play. This is what this is an excerpt. The safest play is to just go ahead and embrace being the person who always waves to the opposite sex. If you forego the wave route, though, you'll need to know when and how to side hug. (laughs) Don't ask me, though. I've been a member here for six years, and I still approach side hugging with the grace intact of a tipsy giraffe. <laughs> so <laughs> they've basically taken on the role of a, a person speaking as a person who, like, oh, you just came? Like, let me tell you the rules. Like, because you need to know this. And, f- but for me, you know, I always go deep first, and it's kind of the most annoying trait about me, but I love that it, about you. It, you know, my wife doesn't 100% all the time because <laughs> I'll do it in like, Random conversations. But anyway, um, it begged a question for me, though. And what the question it begged is, what kind of spiritual intimacy is safe and healthy between a man and woman in order to keep a church growing and going and full of disciples? What's safe? Because, and I'll say it this way, Jordy, you're, you're in youth leadership. Yeah. A lot of the, you know, a lot of the people that attend your gathering are young women yeah of and and underage so you're in a dilemma that no one is trying to address with you weekly well how you doing there buddy like i was they're expecting that you're discipling equipping leading up those who can disciple and equip and that their child their daughter is going to come out of that healthy unscathed and closer to jesus but when we get to adulthood somehow it's like well make sure you you know be careful with her because she or let me get even pricklier i feel like i feel like a lot of the unwritten rules around how you are spiritually intimate with the opposite success and how opposite success sex and how you uh, help a person of the opposite success opposite sex (laughs) (laughs) grow yeah they're they cater towards they cater to men and they cater to purity culture and they almost um they almost cater to our inability to express self-control. Mm-hmm. And how do you think it makes the opposite sex feel? I know how, because I've learned. Mm-hmm. I learned from other women in leadership here. And I learned that, wow, it's, it has taken you know only maybe one or two people in their life who are men who have crossed that barrier of spiritual intimacy to invest and pour into those women and and and... If you know anything about a, if you have strong women in your life, you know that they're going to take that information and they're going to really apply it and they're going to really grow. Yep. And so when they do get that kind of attention and care, that discipleship, they usually explode yeah. in leadership and they become very impactful. Mm-hmm. But there's very few that are willing to take that risk. And so I think that's a huge one we need to 
we need to humble ourselves as men and recognize how much we've been shaped by porn culture and sexual culture and how if Jesus had, if the two people that first, the first two people that ever shared the good news were women Mm -hmm. and he actually gave them that job. Go back to the guys because they're all, they all gave up on me and they're like, this one's over here fishing and this one's over here complaining up in an upper room somewhere. (laughs) Go tell these guys, I'll see them. And they're like, I don't think that, you know, it's almost like, why did he tell you and not me? And because Jesus knew, like, they they were for him mm-hmm. and he was for them and yeah. it has, had nothing to do with sex. Well, and, and why why is the unwritten rule, why have we gotten there on this topic? Mm. What What's pushed us? I mean, you talk about the sex culture and then the purity culture, which is the opposite end of the pendulum, right? Don't even say hello i mean that's that's very extreme that 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 doesn't happen but like right i mean that's 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 probably how it feels yeah but where's the balance and well first of all why'd we get there and where's the balance yeah well like think about think about this so i'm 20 29 years old you know there's a 17 year old girl in the ministry like how much can I realistically meet with her one-on-one before that's perceived as super sketchy right you know Mm -hmm. And and growing up in that culture, like I even start to feel like this is weird, you know. And y- you look at a guy like Bill Hybels, who his entire career was standing at the pulpit. And and this is this is a bend of mine. Is you know we obviously recognize that there's amongst good Bible believing people kind of a scale in like what I believe that God has allowed women to do in the church. And you've got Bill Hybels who with quoting zero scripture, and I know that's harsh to say about a person, but never mm. quoted scripture and said, why would anyone not let a woman do what the to the full extent what a male does in the church? And he would say that. And what was great about him is that he was actually developing and discipling and coaching and making space for a lot of women to learn and grow mm-hmm. in church. But then it but then all of a sudden all this stuff comes to the surface and right. he gets fired for moral fallout. Mm-hmm. I think that's in everyone I think that's in all of our heads is like it's way safer. You can just finish well in an uncontroversial career if you just never step into that world. And it, but if you do step into that world, a lot of people who have modeled it haven't come out well. And that's, real. and that's that's just a reality is because of sin and because, I mean, you're a pastor and there's a lot of people because of church hurt and disappointment that are already like, I wonder if he has a double life, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that it's, wow, like, do so, I really want to step in here? And I'm not saying that, I'm just saying that's the reality, that's the chasm. Yeah. So what what's the answer then? Like, how do we balance this well I, on I think, this topic? I think it should just be talked to about amongst leaders and amongst it should be a regular conversation mm-hmm. of who they're equipping and, and how they're equipping like right now we're talking about discipleship a lot discipleship a lot at church right yeah. and so that's okay well you know should it be same sex like how is that going to work out like because some of us lead areas where we're directly with volunteers and we, we you know there's those questions yeah. we have to always have those questions on the table and i think if you do have a spouse you need to be talking with them and just finding out what's comfortable for them and what's healthy for you based on, you know, what you know about yourself and, and how much you are true, uh, truthful about your temptations and the things that you struggle with as an individual. Um, 
I think that's two things right there. And then on top of that, you should be doing it and it should just be structured. It should be, I believe, out in the open um, and it should be, uh, you know, spiritually intimate. Like we should keep the topics around scripture Mm -hmm. and around what God is doing in the spirit and things that would please the Lord. And I think if we stay there, how can we fail if we stay in the Lord? Because we know he did it. So we know we're able to do it. Correct. And, And I think the last thing is. We need to always make sure we have women in the room, too, when we're talking about this topic, right? Not just talking about it amongst men, making decisions without women being in the room. Right. Um, and I know that's a big thing for you, Jelani, mm-hmm. is to make sure that women are in the room when we make these decisions, right? I think I'll just throw in one thing, too. I think that this kind of feeds into the another unwritten rule. We talked about – talk. one thing I wrote down as an unwritten rule is kind of talk about your – your sins in past tense, mm. right? Like it's almost like, oh come on, man, don't make us uncomfortable. <laughs> like just wait two more two months to talk about that once you've overcome it, yeah. and this will be clean and oh, pretty and yeah. and so and that's always been the thing, you know that that was always me as a kid. I'm like I'm going to conquer this, and then I'm going to go to small groups. I'm going to talk about it three weeks after I haven't stumbled, you know, and I think that. <laughs> that I, sounds crazy. I think but it's that so because true. of that lack of vulnerability, yeah, and that and that's just and a sense of individuality in Western culture, which mm-hmm. I'm I'm very prone to. One on one discipleship has become like the be all end all for a long time. Like, man, if someone is going to come confess something or talk about something, they're gonna they're only going to do it one on one, and that I think does create a pretty big barrier between like, all right, so-and-so's wife, their their husband really isn't in love with Jesus. They want to grow and everyone on staff at their church is men and there's only five people on staff and, you know, and they would love to like be a part of something, but they can't. I think that group discipleship, I think it will come back and just open confession, growth in small circles will happen. It's it's shocking. I'm constantly surprised by the vulnerability of our young people. Mm. And I haven't seen this. You know, I've been at, in this ministry for five years, and it's just this year that students don't really, like, care who's around when they talk about what they're struggling with. The The most churchy kid with Christian parents in the youth group will be like, here's what I've been doing. And it's like, and it's sexting or it's something, and you're just like, and they're talking about it with two of their best friends next to them, and they're confessing it, and they're growing, and mm. that creates a space where, you know, th- there can be a there can be a mixed gender in a room to say, hey, you know, five of us are going to study the word and pursue the Lord and talk about where we fall short in loving people and being missional, and there can be girls and guys in that room, and everyone's not too scared to be real. Mm. That's good. That's good. All right, let me, let me take us a different direction. How mm-hmm. about this one? Be just like us in mm. every way. I mean, there, there's probably seven or eight different things we could talk about with this, but do you think that we do that often in churches, especially when you talk about different cultures within churches mm. or even your location within a city, mm. right? Like, be like our way is the right way, whatever we do. Yeah, I mean, um, let's go with music. Okay. You know. It, to be honest, it was. I'll say that you go to different churches, and even from the level of skill, you realize people's scorecard for skill levels different. 
people's scores card for what is a worshipful song is different. Mm-hmm. What instruments are worshipful? Like, and I don't know why. I'm not sure why, but like black culture, American black culture, blues, jazz, mm-hmm. that comes from American black culture. It found its way into the church and it also found its roots in in a lack of education, meaning it was all by air. Yep. So you see that now in, in, in gospel music, the most complex musical pieces, the most complex vocal arrangements, all rooted in slavery, in liberation, in heartfelt worship. And then now these people, like the kids grow up in that and they can just play that music, a lot of them, if they, they spend time around the musicians. You go to a suburban church and it's very much like some people who may have, you know, we played in a band in high school or I heard a lot or or I was classically trained or there's a lot of education and sort of what's the word like uh, suburban just success around the music. So that style and then there's the rock culture that comes from some some suburban mm-hmm maybe white cultures white that kind of music and it's not really r&b driven or reggae based or so that is more looked at as so then you have the biggest christian industry in america which is ccm right and gospel it's arguable gospel they make just as much money as christian contemporary music but christian contemporary music is rock music hmm. and gospel the, music like the base of it the base of it yeah yeah it's rock music and and so like coldplay like if you took off the voice and you played coldplay for certain songs, yeah, it sounds exactly the same. Hundred percent. That's mean, fascinating. You too. If you go online and you look at worship pedal board setups, like Coldplay presets for digital pedal boards, that's what people are buying for like half of it. That's that sound fascinating. And, right. and what it is is what's the, I think what's interesting too is like you go back on rock. Rock had kind of just it. It was basically started with like let's just take kind of what was like your typical folk. Let's put distortion to it. Mm. Then some guys said let's take blues music into it, and it blew everyone's mind. I mean, Jimi Hendrix. No one, very few people in the world would say he's not the best, most influential guitarist right. of all time. Grew up playing blues and jazz in mm. the black community. Went to rock. And he was he was disliked by kind of people on both sides because he wasn't 100%. black enough because he played white people music. Great but example. he was the best at it because he had already grown up playing the blues and that was what was hot. Today's rock is just it's like the blues got restripped out of it, and that's where you get cold play. It's rock with no more blues. You know what's Scott, really interesting, Jordy, bro. What's really interesting <laughs> is if, you, like, if you go into prison, mm. you meld all these cultures together. Yeah. And the worship, what our worship leader, his first name's Greg, mm-hmm. what he just said to me this, like yesterday, mm. he's like, you know what we need to do? Because up until this week, we were always doing, him and his team were always leading, yeah. right? And it's a very specific blend of music, right. right? And then this week, something happened, he couldn't lead the, for the first service, so we just played our worship set over, you know, on video, right? Yeah. He, afterwards, he came up. He's like, "We always need to do a mix. Mm. We have to start doing a mix because, like, he need, he and his team need to lead one song, and then we need to do one song on the video." He's like, "Because there are people in here that really connect with that, and they don't connect with with our style, hmm. right?" And I'm like, "That's amazing." And and what you're saying is exactly that, right? It's an unwritten rule that one of those is worship music. 
and they're both worship mm-hmm. music yeah. and there's like what a thousands guy. right what a guy oh to dude just be like let's that's what i'm saying like you know this i don't want to talk too much about prison ministry but like that there's there's such a um in my letter that i read yesterday in my sermon that the world really thinks that that not only are they forgotten about but they are uneducated they don't know right. they're 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 classless and all these things and that's just not true yeah right and that that's that's a whole other yeah. thing but that's another topic but i think could i add one thing just yeah. in case we're moving on i think that What's it's fascinating that Jesus didn't fit in in the religious culture that was based on his dad, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. and like like because humanity had had it for so long. By the time he got there, it, he he didn't even fit in. You Jeez, know, they didn't bro. recognize him. He didn't fit in, and so what happens? Like he he you know he re- he freshens all this truth. You say, but I tell you, the Sermon on the Mount. He's you know, and you've got this movement. It's a grassroots movement happening mm. within a religious, mm. godly culture, quote unquote. No one can see me doing my bendy fingers, so <laughs> I'll just verbalize that. And but so, but when Jesus did that, Christianity didn't have a culture. If you think about it, there mm. was no culture. There was it because it, it hadn't existed long enough. Exist, it's like yeah. here's a mission, here's what matters, here's what we're doing, and the lo- more time you give to that, the more culture that exists. And it, it, it happens so fast that you go to different countries and it's a different culture. Every mm-hmm. time you, you go to the Christians, even within the same denomination in every country, and it's different because it's influenced by them. And I mm. think we just have to remember that in every single church that a lot that. Our culture is not the Christian culture. They're really like Christian culture is defined. Well, there's things we can define it by, like love, grace, gentleness, right? Like there's words we can attribute to it, but there's no like style or flavor. There's yeah. just not one. And well, I think we tend to, if we get scared, we tend to just look to the past and say, well, that must be it. And we get really scared of change. How about this? That we're still on the topic of be just like us in all ways. Yeah, we can we can jump off this quickly because no, I, I want to hit a couple more. Connected. No, this is great. Yeah, but but what about these? Look like us, vote like us, dress like us, talk like us. Mm-hmm. We're scared. Yeah, right. What are we afraid of? We think that our culture is Christian culture because we're Christians and we have culture. And if mm. someone comes in different and they start professing Christianity, we start steering them to look like us, talk like us. Wow. All of that, yeah, and and and, and what a you're lot of saying is, if, if I'm amazing. if I'm hearing correctly, something that is I think is super profound. I've never heard Christianity cannot have a culture and should never be turned into a culture because it it attacks so much of humans create a culture. Yeah, yeah. So it attack Christianity at all levels, financially, socially, communication wise relationally it attacks all of those things those parts of culture we've built and and i just the thought that just came to my mind and i just looked up the definition the word well you know they talk about it in prison oh you've been institutionalized Hmm. and when a person gets institutionalized it's when they forfeit who they are like their core for what they're inside of like yeah, I like I become like That's a great we have our Christian institutions. Oh, a hundred percent. And we, do. we become when we become institutionalized as a Christian, it's when the culture that has been built around this structure or this system becomes more dominant than the thing this system should be motivated by. Yeah, yeah. Which are the original structures and right. rules that we talked about, and that's that's a profound statement, man. To think about, like we can't let our Christianity become institutionalized, become 
become a culture in and of itself because to begin with and here's another topic we're not even diverse enough to let it get institutionalized oh oh because maybe we'd have a chance if we were yeah a group of 10 different countries and 10 different leaders from 10 different backgrounds and 10 different socioeconomic you know um lifestyles but since we're not that we become monocultural and then instantly when something's monocultural it's institutionalized and it no longer has the pure essence of what it really set out to do so that's why diversity as a result of being spirit filled and having the right people in the room having the nuanced conversation automatically always leads to more people feeling welcome because they see like in like 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 um what's his name greg Yes. Worship leader. Because Greg saw, wait a minute, my style and what I like is not communicating to everyone in the room. So in order to serve that body well that God has called me to, I must do as Paul did, be all things to all men so mm-hmm. that I would win them. And that, how humble is that, right? Like, yeah, so I'm going to give up one song every week. And I mean, he's a, he's keyboard, Aaron Neville sounding guy. And this dude can sing. And you know what he always does? He always has all the other guys on his worship team mm. sing more than him. Every See? every week, or if he's singing more, he they're loud. Like he he wants them to be louder than yeah. him. He's always putting other people out in front. Yeah. It's just it's a great way to lead. How about the mm. two prickly ones? We'll 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 just put our foot in the water on these two. Yeah, because I don't I don't. I know. Get, I'm like, right. oh, the yeah, next we, thing. Yeah, right? yeah. We're <laughs> gonna talk about this, right? Yeah, there's like a. Yeah. But like, let's be honest. The vote like us and the talk like us, mm. right? If whenever I I talk with my friends who don't look like me. Right, and they don't live where I live. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It's not always a black white thing. It could be many different cultures. Right, voting is different uh, in the American church. It's different depending on where you live or what you look like. Right, your cultural differences. Mm-hmm. And I think that we need to be okay with the fact that you can be Republican or Democrat and be a follower of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to be one or the other to be a follower. What about of independent? Because there's a lot of shame if you're an independent. Well, that, it, immediately they say, "Oh, you're afraid to make a decision." Yeah, that's right? interesting. And it's, it's like such a wild statement. Like, and yeah. and and then the system, the institution of politics, has says to you, "Well, you can't vote in primaries if you're right. independent." So it's right. telling you right you away, you have to be one of the. You other. have to be one or the other. And as a Christian. I don't have to do any of that. Right. My culture as a believer, which doesn't exist, my faithfulness to Christ and to Scripture and to loving people should never have to bend according to what a human-based system has created. Yeah. And I just need to be able to identify that. I read a really good book. Um, I believe it was – I believe the title is Evangelical Does Not Equal Democrat or Republican. Mm. Uh, just fascinating book and it really opened my eyes too mm-hmm. i was very ignorant up and probably up until probably five years ago on this topic and i always thought that white evangelical equaled republican mm-hmm. and that's not true and it's not true that um the opposite of that whatever that is right because there's many different cultures that are opposite of what i just named does not always equal mm-hmm. democrat right you you can be any of those things, Republican or Democrat, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not identified because you're a Christian. And, and I want to sp- speak on behalf of, I think my mom was way more marginalized than I am 
because of the efforts and the things she did to help her children get in a better place. But I come from that shaped me. And I and I know a lot of people who really are in that world. And at points in my life, three choices I made, I became even more marginalized than I should have been. So I want to speak on behalf of why I think sometimes people from, you know, urban backgrounds, urban neighborhood, marginalized communities, immigrant communities. I'm first generation. My parents both weren't born here. Why do some of them have a view of politics that they have, which some may call liberal or may call democratic or, you know, whatever? It's because a lot of them come from countries that were democratic republics. Like they tried to take from the West to have this kind of. But then they couldn't for some reason when they voted or when it was, you know, election time, they couldn't really build a bridge from my vote and my economy around me. Hmm. All the way to that leader. Hmm. Where is where, so? Okay, cool. You want me to vote for you? Where are your policies and your efforts actually funneling into my community and making a physical difference? So I don't care about it anymore. Historically, what you're saying doesn't match up with what actually occurs in my community. But the funny thing is, if I'm from a different community, if I'm from a suburb, I may be able to see the direct correlation between what I vote for. The funds or the actions or the policies may actually trickle down to me. So I think politics is great because it works for me. There's relativism in it. There's an individualism in it. It works for me, so therefore it's right. Or it works for you, so therefore it isn't right. And we're we're fighting in those spaces. But then the non-cultural culture of Christianity should be able to come in the middle of that and say, bring unity but for some reason we we we, we're pulling christianity we're pulling this force this follow this movement we're trying to pull this and put it inside an elephant or a donkey and it just doesn't (laughs) even fit in there it doesn't it it really doesn't and you know at the end of the day what's the answer right is that both can exist both can exist as christians 100 right both can exist um a couple other topics um that we're not going to hit. I just want to name a couple, but I want to I want to rest on um, the don't bring your mess into church and stain our carpets. I think Jordy mm. titled that. I love that title. But before we get to that, we're going to close with that one. Some of the other things that I think are unwritten rules. Just no, I have a question real yeah. quick. What kind of carpet? Is it, is it like a soft carpet? Or, <laughs> <laughs> or an outdoor carpet? some carpets can have more stain than others. Let me, what color is the carpet? Let me stop. It's 20 it like, years old. It's, only okay. coffee stains are It's allowed. 20 and it's a lot of foot traffic, they say. Yeah. Okay. So it's cool. not a plush white carpet at your no. grandma's house? It's no. brown. Okay. It's the one that's inside most gyms of a church. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a gym, but it has carpets. Weird. But but other, <laughs> I love you, man. You make me laugh all the time. Other other topics, right? We're not yeah. going to touch on these, but these are some of the other ones. Numbers really matter um, in church. Uh, conform to our narrow interpretation of our favorite scripture mm. or topical scriptures. Um, prayer. Uh, you have the hall pass to gossip. Right, like, mm. hey, let's pray for Jelani because yeah, you know he's really struggling with X, Y, and Z. Yeah, and his you say wife that is, yeah, globally, like, yeah. like in front of a group of people, mm. that's not healthy. Um, investment in the church is transactional. Um, the lower middle class equals piety, and poverty equals sin. Those things are not true. Uh, Sunday attendance is making it versus small groups and discipleship. I think that's what we touched on the earl- earlier. This one I thought was really interesting. 
education automatically equals qualification that if you're educated you're qualified to be a leader yeah in the church and that simply isn't true that's something i've had to overcome and you need a suit too that you, you one. have to wear you a, suit. a suit tie yeah. makes you even that's like a phd equivalent. if you if you preach without a tie on yeah there's a problem mm-hmm. you're not as holy and and you have to i do think that sometimes we wear we dress up on sundays to pretend that we're super holy mm. right and so I wonder if what if we all just stopped dressing up and we wore what you what we're all wearing right now every what if we preached in what we're wearing right now? I have a sweatshirt on. You have a vest like I wear. Like mm-hmm. I'm, you're. Yeah, this is you're actually picking a up my fishing trend. vest, and it is. Uh, it's urban streetwear. Let's just go really? with that. That's what it so is. So I'm urban cool. <laughs> just a long pause. <laughs> that uh, says it all. Well, I think let, my let's mic talk, turned off. Let's, my talk, mic turned off. <laughs> let's talk about this last topic, and we'll wrap with this. But don't bring your mess into the church and stain our carpets. What? Mm. What? What? What does that even mean? I just want to say I think we've gotten better. Oh yeah. I think more people are finding refuge in the building amongst the church because we've gotten better at that, and we've we've made enough mistakes to know that. You know, a church is a hospital. It's not mm. a museum. That's what I heard one time. Mm-hmm. It's not a place where you look at beautiful artifacts that have value. It's a place where you look at people that don't often think great things about themselves and mm. come in with baggage and come in with our hurt and pain. And we're learning how to deal with that better. So I just want to say that out there because I'm definitely the person who can tend to bash the church, even though I'm a part of the institution and I want it to be better, but I think we've we've come we've come a long way in that regard. Yeah, if I could answer with just an invitation, like if mm-hmm. you've you know found yourself kind of stuck in maybe the previous mindset or maybe been hurt by a more kind of like staunch, I need to look like I have it together. Mm. Um, kind of, I, I love um, casting crowns. Uses the term the stained glass masquerade. Wow, it's actually a That's really good. deep song. That's awesome. And I like that. But like, I just want to invite you out of that, out of that masquerade, and into just a really transparent, down to earth. You know, tell talk talk as you're you are where you at you're at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really struggled with that. Yeah. Talk as though you are where you at. Wow, <laughs> talk as though you, you are you where you are at. There we go. I did it three times, bro. I, I don't feel by myself. Yeah, no j- more, just yeah. want to invite you. It's it's so freeing. It's so real. And mm. you know, you do not have to pretend. Yeah, I think I used to really struggle with the transparency. Um, I thought that you had to dress up and pretend that you were really Me good too, and man. close to the Lord. And yeah. what broke that in my life was when Maureen and I shared our story on, you know, my, you know, struggle with porn. And yeah, I was like five years ago, right? Twenty seventeen. Like yeah. yeah. Wow. And when. When we did that, I, I saw the blessing to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I still don't like sharing our story publicly. Like it's really hard yeah. to even think like, man, I did that to my wife. Like right. I hurt her so badly, and the healing process was so long. But how, I mean, hundreds of marriages have been um, put into a different journey. Mm-hmm. They're on a different trajectory. Redirected, yeah. Because Mo and I took that step, right? And it's like, oh, wow. So now it allows us to be transparent, Mo and I, in our marriage. When anything comes our way or any struggle comes our way, our kids are more transparent. And I really do think that it allows people – Jordy, you talked earlier about like talking about our sins present day and not past tense. That's good. It really allows us to just say, 
I am really struggling with this today, and I'm a, a, a I'm a husband, or I'm a father, or I'm a leader, you know, either at my job or in the church. Like, it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. And I don't think that we've done a good job in the church today, you know, recently, or up until COVID, put it that way. <laughs> up until COVID, I, I don't think that we did a good job giving people permission to just not be okay, but still come and have a seat at the table. Yeah, and it's mm. not always okay, that's a that conversation yeah. always gets framed in like the deep, deep, dark sin example, you know? And I don't think that that's that's all it is or even precisely what it is. A lot of times it's just like we 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 have like this demeanor that we've adopted because that's the good like church person, you know? And it, like I I, I want to feel relaxed with the people at church. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we really sit back and we're comfortable. Our guard should be because down. Because yeah. we're we're natural and we're and we, we understand that where we're naturally at isn't perfect, and we can tweak each other and call each other out, but we're not, like, calculating and doing equations just to say things in the right way or present things in the right mm-hmm. way. And some people are so good at it, it's just second nature. But, like, I, I struggle to hang out with people that I feel like are always doing that. You know, like, there's, like, this church front. It's like, I just want to feel like, you can tell when you're talking to a real person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the undercurrent of the entire book of Acts, right? Persecution. So if they, when they were able to gather, if they didn't feel comfortable and relax and guard down, that means that 100% of their life, they had their guard up because there was the only safe place, really, if your friends are getting crucified and burned at a stake and all of that stuff. It's like, it, it, it needs to be a place like that for us to really be able to thrive where we can really grow. And, and transparency is like a wildfire, well lit. It really spreads and it gives a lot of people freedom. So I think... Yeah, I commend you for that, too, because you you expressed a transparency, Scott, that involves someone else. And that's something I've heard our pastor, Jonathan, say one time in a, in a pastor meeting that really blew my mind because I'm an open person. And he said, you know, when you're honest, you need to live an honest lifestyle. But there is a transparency that when you cross that that line, it involves other people and their stories, which is intertwined with yours. So you got to be careful and have permission. And because you got you and you and Mo did it together in front of the body it's like well now you got to put yourself in front of a mirror like other people like i gotta look at myself one thing i think that really helps us with the whole transparency thing is to realize i love what first corinthians ten thirteen. this gives me great comfort when we live this way amongst you know the carry each other burdens right and loving each other well and going and making disciples like the foundational stuff that we talked about at the beginning 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this, that no temptation has overcome you except what is common to mankind. Mm. And Jesus was tempted in every way, right? And then it goes on to say, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Mm. When you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. When we don't live transparently, I think sometimes we miss the way out. We, we close ourselves wow. off to the way out. That's good. He's provided the way out. If I confess to you like, man, I'm really struggling with this one thing and I don't know how to, I, I keep wanting to say yes or I have been saying yes to it and I don't want to live this way anymore, right? This, the way out could be Jelani meeting with Jelani once a week to talk through this, right? That accountability could be, that transparency could be the way out 
that God's given us, but we're so ashamed. Like all these things come back to us, right? Mm-hmm. That we built up culturally in a negative way mm-hmm. that makes us say, "Well, I can't, I can't be honest because maybe they won't let me." Da 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 da, or maybe I won't, you know, be viewed by them in a good way anymore, or maybe yeah. they won't think that I have a good marriage anymore, or maybe, or maybe, or maybe. And then before we know it, we're so deep in it, and we've gone so far that it's like, well. Now I can't come out of it. And that's yeah. a lie too. Yeah. You know, so I think that's a that's a huge one that I've seen in men's ministry especially. And let me tell you, now that I'm, you know, at Lorraine Correctional, I see this one. Like guys are not afraid. Cause they're wearing that you they walk in saying, I have been the mess that I lived got me to where I'm at yeah. and the clothes that I'm wearing. So I mean, the carpet in our chapel is stained. Mm. Every day. Mm-hmm. And they people will come up. We have guys fill out a prayer card every week, and it forces them to come talk to you because mm. they have to hand it to somebody, right? And when they hand it to you, the, our team has been trained to say, what can I pray for you about? And then they tell you about what they just wrote. And most of the time, they, they talk about like either what's gotten them in there or what they're still struggling with. Or it might be that their marriage has fallen apart because yeah. they've been a, away for so long. But a lot of it is, I've caused this. You know, and so you, you you pray, and then you see him next week, and the week after, and the week after. It's such a healthy form yeah. of of what church should be. Mm-hmm. That this is a place. It's the mercy ship, right? Mm. They come into a port city, and you come to get all the dental work done that you need, and the, there's no shame. Come, we'll, we'll fix it for free, right? Mm. Come, we'll, we'll we'll sit with you. Come, you're going to be healed from this ailment that you've had for 30 years, and you know you have this whatever, and you you feel ashamed by that. No, no, we, we love you, right? And that's how the church should be. That's the way that Jesus did ministry. That's the way he lived his life. And if we're, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Are we? Are we doing that, or have we created these unwritten rules that have kept us from living the way that God's called the church to live? So that's really the charge, right, yeah. is to to live that way, to go and make disciples, to love people so well that they feel that, man, you, you're you providing the healing power of the, the Holy Spirit. Like, you're, the, you're bringing the Holy Spirit into this. You're asking, what can I pray for you? And you want me to, I want to be healed, right? It, like, that's what the Lord's asked. The, the feet of peace, right? That's what we've been called to be, mm-hmm. is the feet of peace. May we do that. So that's really the charge to you guys that that we're even being charged on that today, even yeah. just going through this and you know talking through this, that we've all been guilty of these unwritten rules ourselves. And we want to always look back to what Jesus has called us to, how we are to live out as the body of Christ, the written rules, and let's stay focused on the written rules as we go and make disciples and love people well in the process. Have a great month, guys. See ya. Peace.